Blessings, greetings, and welcome to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. I have a great guest on with me today. I have Jackie Ziegler with me. Jackie is a nurse and she is also an amazing woman of God, but I, I'm not going to give it all up. Jackie will do a much better job of letting you know who she is, who she belonged to, what she's doing, and a little bit about her story and what she wants you to learn uh, from this, our time together. Jackie, do you mind sharing with the audience, who are you? <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. And um, thank you for reaching out after you read about my story and um, feeling that I had something to share. Um, as I told you before, I was really hesitant, but I, I do feel like um, God can use even um, the worst things that happen in your life to help other people. So I'm glad to be here. Um, and let me, let me say, I'm not a nurse. I don't want the nurses coming for me. <laughs> that I'm pretending to be a nurse. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So I had that really wrong. <laughs> I am, um, I'm an administration in that background. <laughs> we work in the same place, but I'm not a nurse. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So um, you are a, what, um, what is your time? I'm a healthcare administrator. Health healthcare administration, and I'm also a speech language pathologist, but I do more in the healthcare administration now. Um, I am a bonus mom to two kiddos, Kirsten and Alex, and I have two, um, I have a niece and a nephew that I adore, and uh, my nephew is a lot like my own kiddo, at least when he's spending my money. Um, <laughs> I'm a wife. My husband's name is Neil Ziegler, and um, he is a physician. And because we both have a background in healthcare and a passion for helping people, we started a nonprofit a few years ago. So we do medical missions, um, and we help to establish healthcare in places that don't have access to healthcare. And so that's a big passion for me um, and for him as well. We do a lot of work in Haiti. Um, we were hoping to get to Africa this year, but COVID-19 happened. Um, so we haven't gotten there yet. Um, and of course we do things here in our, um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in our local community. Um, and I, you know, again, I appreciate you having me here because the reason um, I wanted to do this um, even though I was hesitant at first, is that I, having gone through my own experience of loss um, with miscarriages and, you know, this journey of infertility, um, I realized that there are statistically one in four women um, experience infertility or um, loss of an infant or a child, but it's not something that's talked about a lot. Um, Oftentimes, it feel, feels like there's a stigma on it. And so women go through it alone. Um, I, I went through it alone. And as I started kind of seeking resources, I started to, to kind of come in contact with these other women that were suffering in silence. And I felt, you know, I prayed about it. And um, 
I admit I was not obedient at first in wanting to share my story, but um, after much prayer and contemplation, I really felt like the Lord was asking me, um, not asking me, (laughs) commanding me that I needed to use this experience to help other people. Um, And so that's why I'm here today. I hope that, you know, I can light on the the journey of infertility and what it's from the perspective of someone who's experienced loss. Um, and maybe someone is going to listen to this podcast that has gone through what I've gone through, who is going through what I've gone through. Um, and something that we can talk about can help them in their healing process or just to not feel so alone. So. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jackie, because this is a much more prevalent situation um, in our community than we even know. And I believe that because you are in healthcare, you have an up close and more personal look at it. And much like you said, you you have um you have this whole experience with um with these other women when you sought out help for yourself and a community of people that could support where you have been. I I love the fact that you did the due diligence of getting yourself some support and some help when you felt alone. Um, on your on your journey you talked about um you shared with me how there are so many misconceptions about how one could be infertile and the different things that contribute to those factors of loss uh, from the world standpoint and then from the medical standpoint. So can you help us to understand what some of the belief systems of, you know, well, you know, you can't pick up this and, you know, this is too heavy and you have to protect your um, female physical parts or whatever the thoughts are around that. And a lot of the times, Some of those could be factors, but sometimes it can be far from the truth. So will you help us to kind of understand what some of these differences are? Yes, and I'll give it to you from the perspective of a woman who's experienced it because I'm not a reproductive specialist. So, you know, this is not medical advice, Um, but I you know, I grew up and still have an old school mom who's from the country. And so she has lots of um, home remedies and, you know, all those things. And so um, we didn't share a lot with people when we first got pregnant because we were just kind of waiting to see what happened. Um, but, you know, it was things like my mom would see me picking up a laundry basket and she's like, no, put that down. You don't need to pick up anything heavy. Um, And like you said, there are some things that you can do that might put yourself at risk. Like there's, and you have to talk to your doctor about those things. There may be certain things in the first trimester that your doctor may not want you to do when it comes to, you know, aggressive physical exercise, particularly if you weren't exercising before. When you first get pregnant, it's not the time to start going hard on exercising, you know. So there are things like that that you need to talk to your doctor about um, that could put your pregnancy at risk. But oftentimes um, when 
particularly in space of miscarriage, it is your body's way of protecting you and protecting the infant. And when a miscarriage happens, it's usually because there was something with that particular embryo that didn't make it viable. And that's not something that I think a lot of people understand. Um, and I, w- I would even say, I would go as far as saying, you know, it's God's system of protection within our, our body as a woman to protect our, um, our infants that, you know, may be born with um, issues. And um, I, I, <laughs> I'm trying not to go too, too deep or sound too medical because, again, I don't want to give medical advice, but the body has, as it does with everything else, it has a defense system. Um, and so miscarriages are, are oftentimes your body's defense um, for you and for your infant. Um, but a lot of women don't know that. And so they feel like it was my fault. And I felt that. I felt like not like I had done something, but, you know, I have a really busy life. And my mom always tells me, you need to down and you need to relax and you need to rest. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I keep going. So, you know, of course I had those thoughts like, did I put too much stress on myself? Did I put too much stress on my body? Was it something that I did? Did I not eat right? Did I not take enough prenatal vitamins? Like, was there something that I could have done differently? But having that conversation with my doctor, um, he helped to reassure me that this isn't your fault. Now for me, particularly, I, um, I am what is called maternal age, and I hate that term, but it is what it is. Um, (laughs) I was 40 the first time that I got pregnant. So with age, there comes some risk, um, and and it just is what it is. And so um, one of the things that I would tell someone, they were asking me, another woman, is please don't feel like it's your fault talk with your doctor, see if there are things that you could have done differently, or if there are things that you can do to prepare your body if you want to try again, to make it a more conducive space. But please don't, um, please don't feel like it's your fault or something that you did to cause it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And I mean, I think that that is such, such wisdom because you know, you can't always prevent what happened internally. So, um, so when I'm, when I'm thinking about this, I understand you to be a woman of faith. And one of the things that you shared was that you were angry with God. It was like, God, this is, you know, um, I want to, how, how many miscarriages have you, have you had? Three. Three. So you, you talked about how, how that, how that happened and it was your, your third, uh, time. And so you were angry with God. How did you navigate your faith? How did you get back on track? Where did, how, how did all of that happen for you as it relates to your circumstances versus your faith? How did you reconcile your anger towards your heavenly father, if you will? Yeah. Um, you know, 
honestly, it took me a while. Um, the first, with the first miscarriage, um, I, I was shaken by it. And, and, you know, my prayer at the time was, oh, God, I've waited. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like I did all the right things and, you know, tried to wait and, you know, it's here and I'm, I'm really excited. I felt like this was my miracle and it didn't happen, but okay, you know best. I'm just going to keep going. We'll keep trying. Um, the second one, and I should back up. It, it, I made that seem like it was really easy, um, but no, I, from that, after that first one, for the months following, um, I still was struggling. Um, I don't know if it wasn't so much that I was angry with God at that point, but I was very, um, I was sad a lot. I, I kind of allowed myself to stay in a space of grief um, and just kept praying and saying, I don't understand. But by the time the second one came and then the third one came, at this point, you know, I was angry, like, okay, you know, why do you keep allowing this to happen? I don't understand. Um, and it did challenge me because I, 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 it got to a point where it was hard for me to pray. It was hard for me to read my Bible and believe that it, I never doubted God's ability, but I did doubt his promise to me, if that makes sense. And so I felt angry that it kept happening and I felt well you promised this to me but it's not happening and then I started doubting well maybe he didn't promise it you know maybe I didn't hear correctly and so I was going through these cycles um, and I, I talked with a friend and she said you know you got to find a tribe and get into a community and you just can't sit in it um, by yourself and so that's when I started looking for resources I started counseling um, I think in certain communities, particularly communities where um, counseling is kind of taboo, but um, it's needed in, in certain circumstances. And it, it did wonders for me to be able to talk with someone. I went to a Christian counselor um, and was able to talk through some of these things. But um, as I shared with you before, it was not until I did, um, I signed up for a virtual class mm -hmm. um, called The Art of Hearing by Pastor Christy, or Elder Christy. Dobbins and um, I was sitting in the class listening every Monday night and then one Monday she said something um, and it was one of those Rama moments where you've heard it before but it never really <laughs> hit you in the way that it has until in that moment and so you know that it was revelation for you but God just opened my eyes and my ears to hear what she was saying that she said on your God is sovereign on your best day, God is sovereign. On your worst day, sovereign. He's always in control. No matter what's happening in your life, he is in control. And for whatever reason, something inside of me broke. And it just gave me so much peace. And I didn't feel that anger anymore. And I, it allowed me to see that even in those, in that year prior to where I was angry and I was sad and feeling alone, God was still with me every single day. Mm -hmm. I made, I, I think, you know, I was looking for this big miraculous thing to happen, some big, 
big grand gesture or some big grand sign. I started looking back at it. I was like, you know what, Jackie? You've been making it day by day. Every day you make it through the end of the day. It may not be a good day. You may break down crying, but you made it. And if you look back day by day, you wake up, your pain is a little bit less. You're crying a little bit less. You're more productive. You're starting to feel more like yourself. You're getting back into the things that give you peace and joy. And it was when I had to start looking for the victories that um, I started to feel some peace and release that anger and say, okay, God, whatever it is, I don't understand. I understand why it happened, but you're in control. You have your reason. The Bible says your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I have to have faith and trust you that for whatever reason, for whatever reason you chose to not allow those babies to come into this world, that you're just and you're fair in what you're doing. And I just have to, I have to leave it at that. Because if I don't, um, I'll spend the rest of my life in, in separation from, in, from him, essentially, just for me, far worse than anything else I could imagine. Yeah, that I, I'm so grateful that you got to a place of victory. But let's visit some of those things that you had to get through in order to get to victory, right? So one of the things that we talked about, we talked about the attachment factor, how when you conceive a child, there is an attachment to that life. And so when the loss comes, you talked about the grieving process. And so that is very real, even for a life that has been lost. So you, you, I mean, you have to, it's just like you have to release so much. You have to let go of everything that you ever thought could become. So will you help the audience to understand what that journey of walking through that process was like for you? So you mentioned that some days it was, it was hard. You know, you were really sad and you were able to overcome those things. But if you could just focus on just the, the attachment piece. Sure, sure. Um, so like I shared with you before, it's, it's the same as with any other woman who gets pregnant and, you know, has been wanting to be pregnant or is happy to have this life inside of you, you know, from the moment that you see that positive pregnancy test, or for me, I was excited. You know, I started planning what my children's futures were going to be like. I started thinking about names, you know, going to bye-bye baby and to, you know, Target and looking at stuff and, you know, get thinking about what my registry it's going to be, you know, and <laughs> what is my nurse going to look like? Like all of those things that <laughs> come with, you know, motherhood, I did those same things. And, um, you know, I started reading all the books and cause I would have been, you know, I have bonus kids, but I've never had children actually. So I'm like, I gotta, you know, figure it out. And I'm doing all the same things that moms are newly pregnant moms would do. And, you know, when I found out that I, was potentially hearing I actually went to you know the doctor and you go in and you know you're expect you're excited you're you're expecting to hear the heartbeat you're expecting to see your baby on the screen um 
And when I was in the doctor's office, my husband was with me and I could see the expression on their faces that something wasn't right. And I couldn't hear anything. This was, you know, my first one. I couldn't hear and I was 10 weeks along. So I should have, I was almost through the first trimester. So I should have heard my heart, my baby's heartbeat, hear that. And it's like everything that you, all those moments of joy that you thought about, they start to crack, come crashing down. And that's not the end of it. It's a process. You know, it's not just that, okay, we don't hear a heartbeat and it's over. You still have this fetus inside of your body um, that you now, that, that same fetus that you had all the dreams for, you know, is, is not alive, but it's still in you. And you have to go through a process still birthing that fetus. And so I shared this with you before is I don't think um, people recognize, you know, the process of miscarriage is, is not a one or two day thing. It, it can take weeks. Um, sometimes you have to go, luckily I didn't have to go through a surgical procedure, but um, my doctor gave me medication to induce labor. And I had to go through the process process of labor and giving birth to my baby, knowing that at the end of that process, the baby that I imagined in my head was not going to be there. The dreams that I had in my head were dead, but I still had to deliver this baby nonetheless. Um, and so that is, I think, probably one of the most difficult parts of it. And I... I think not just for me, but for most women who have to go through this process, I'm um, a part of a, a support group, an online Facebook group, and I see women daily talking about, and they're going through it, they're posting, and they're going through the process because they feel alone. This is a place feel like they can go, um, and other women can support them. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful for those types of resources, but um, it is very difficult to have to go through that and. Um, not have it turned out the way that you you thought that it would. Um, for me, I am fortunate that I had my husband to go through that process with me. Um, my husband is a physician, so he understands the medical aspect of it too. Um, and when I tell you I am God for him, because when I was going in through labor, he he laid with me, he rubbed my back, he talked me through it and said, okay, do you understand what's happening now? You're in labor. You know, those are, um, those are contractions that you're feeling. He's going through it with me, but he's also, he's being like the physician, but he's also being, you know, my protector and my husband and he's holding me up and he, you know, rubbing my head and put essential oils. So he's like, let me get these essential oils for you. And he turned on praise and worship music. And, you know, we're singing praise and worship music together because really that was the only thing that I could do to help me get through that process without, you know, feeling like I was going to lose my mind. I, I love the fact, one of the things that you had originally said was that you you talked about what you just said, but you talked about the fact that this was not only your journey, but you shared this journey, that the loss of these babies were 
both of your experience. And I love the fact that you included your husband and that, you know, because he's a physician, he was able to wear both hats simultaneously. So even while he had experienced the loss, he understood that he needed to give something else to you other than just be your husband, but understanding what your body was going through and what it was that you were feeling and all of these things. And I just think that that is such a phenomenal dynamic because I am sure that there are a lot of women with husbands that do not understand uh, that it is both of their experience and even the woman, sometimes the woman can have a tendency to feel like this is my experience, this is my body, and you really don't understand, but it really is a loss for both parents. And so I hope that this is something that both people, both parents are able to hear and take something away from the fact that you as a mother, you lost a dream and so did your spouse. He lost a dream, but together you were able to console one another in the midst of that loss. So I, so another, did you want to add something to that? Um, I just that it is really important to to recognize that um, it is a loss for both parents. I think you know, women, as we said before, the moment that you you have this attachment, um, and I'm not a man, so I don't know, but you know, I've I've asked my husband and I've asked you know a couple of other people, and I think there it grows. Um, I think men are like very. Um, visual and hands-on sometimes so as soon as they see like a kid footprint and they then you know it's like oh yeah there's really a baby in there um, but um, I think that it is really when you have a support recognize that the loss is yours and his and I had to be really intentional to not just focus on what this is happening to me, but this is happening to us. And so I had to take moments, even when I was hurting, to say, how are you? How are you feeling? How do you feel about this? Do you want to talk about it? And do you need me to be the strong person for you right now? You've been strong for me throughout this process, but do you need a moment? And do you need strong for you? Um, and I think that's important. And even having this conversation with you, um, the way that we connected on this was because I decided to post on my social media accounts um, in October, which is National Infant Loss Month. I decided to post and tell our story, <clears throat> excuse me, but I did not do any of that. I even having this conversation now without talking to my partner, my husband, um, because it is our story. And I wanted us to be in agreement that you know, this is something that we want to share. And if he didn't feel comfortable with it, then I had to take that into consideration. Now, luckily, you know, my husband um, has a friend's heart and he, you know, can see that God will use um, our experiences, good and bad, to help other people. So he was open to it. You know, he just said, if you're okay with it, are you okay with it? Um, and as long as you're okay with it, I'm good with it too. So um, yes, that's a very important um, piece of it that I think sometimes gets left out. The men don't always get recognized in, in you know, their experience and their loss as well. 
Exactly. And so you mentioned um, how you felt alone. And I, I want, I don't want people to get confused is your feeling alone um, with, I, I don't want people to think that, okay, that it's about you. Um, I don't want people to think that it is about you you felt alone because your husband wasn't there. You guys were there together working through this together. So it was not that at all. The biggest part was that there were outside people, friends and family that you had shared this story with. And I asked you about how, how was that? What was that like? And you know, to have people move on, um, with you know move on with life and you're still working through the different things your loss your grief and everybody else has kind of moved on with life can you share that experience with us yeah um it's it's a challenging place to be because you for me, I, there, there wasn't anything that I necessarily wanted from my friends and family. Um, I wanted to be alone at first. I told people that said, you know, hey, what can I do? Do you want me to come and sit with you? Do you I mean, I can just come and, and, and not say anything. Um, appreciate it. Um, but it, it, it was a lonely space because when we talked about it before, or I, I compared it to a funeral. You go to a funeral and, and everybody shows up to show their respects. Um, and, you know, they say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And the over, the repass is over. Everybody else goes home. Life goes on. But that person who is experienced at loss, um, and in this case, the, the mother's experience is lost, you're still grappling with this my baby or that person is no longer here. It's my life has changed um, in a way that I didn't anticipate and I'm still grieving. I'm still trying to deal with it, but life goes on for everybody else. Um, and I don't think it's intentional or that to be hurtful. And I think oftentimes, particularly in the space of miscarriage, when you compare that to like a, a death of a spouse or a parent, even, you know, an older child, um, I don't know that people always weigh those things differently uh, or the same. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that because people don't really understand miscarriage or they haven't experienced it that sometimes, and I see this a lot in the group that I'm in that, you know, I, I hate to generalize and say people, but I don't think it's always given the same weight, mm -hmm. you know, the loss because there was enough physical being to see to for other people to grow attached to um i don't think that it's necessarily given the same weight um and so it is a lonely space to be and you don't want to keep talking for me i didn't want to keep talking about it but um i don't know you still kind of want that comfort i have my husband you know i had um my best friend was incredibly good about it but when it came to that was after the first one the second we didn't even share um just because um i, I don't want to say you feel like people don't care but i'm not i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying 
say this in a way where it doesn't feel like it's coming across disrespectful. But you just you're in a lonely space because you know people don't necessarily understand what you're feeling. They don't understand um, the the con the con sense of loss that you're having to experience over and over, and you haven't finished grieving the first one, and now it's happened again and so it's this up of um, despair and grief and for me I'm very private so I didn't really want to share with anybody and I didn't want to I'm not the type of person when something's going on in my life that I want to go and talk to everybody about it <laughs> um, so I just didn't want to talk about it and that probably um contributed to me feeling lonely because I, I kind of isolated myself. Um, and that goes back to when I said um, counseling, seeking out resources. When I eventually did that, it did allow me a, an outlet to deal with those feelings. Um, but I had to get there um, on my own and it took me a while to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's just all the way around. There is, this, this is just not a good experience. And so one of the things that you shared was that sometimes even in the medical community, there are just some things when you experience loss, you don't want to hear. And so sometimes people are saying things that you can feel are very insensitive to this particular situation. Do you mind sharing, unpacking that for us where your experience has been concerned? Yes. Um, I'm smiling about it now and I'm saying that I'm hoping that this will help somebody else in the future. But, you know, you are, when you are miscarrying, you are in the throes of loss. And so what I did not want to hear, and it, it was well-intentioned. Every person that said it was coming from a place of care and concern and love. But what I did not want to hear is you're still young. You can get, you can keep trying. You can, oh, you'll be able to have a baby. Well, those, all those things may be true, but I'm still dealing with the fact that the baby that is in me right now is dead. And the dream that I have right now is dead. And so all of those things may be true, but I don't want to hear that right now. You know, my, I'm in pain. I have all kinds of things going on and going wrong with my body um, right now. And I don't want to hear that. And I heard that. Um, even from the physician um, in, in the ER, I, I ended up in the ER um, on one of my pregnancies, and the that was there. She said that to my OB said that to me, um, and you know, you politely say thank you, but inside of me, it it felt hurtful, and I know that that wasn't their intention. Um, but it's just like I need you to see me and see what's happening right now, and I don't want to talk about what could have been. Right. Because I'm still, I haven't really wrapped my mind completely around what's happening right now. Right. Who, Lord have mercy. I, I just, I, um, I applaud you and your community for your ability to endure through this process of loss because, um, you, you talked about you how you don't feel like the loss carried the same weight and I can't understand how you feel and I could understand how someone else would feel if if they actually experienced a person 
and had time and experiences with a particular person. And then this being someone who actually lived inside of you, you have never met them or anything like that. So I think that there are two different lenses that you look through in order to see that. But I, I can respect the fact that they can be different. It is a different experience, but even in the difference of experience, there should be a level of empathy and compassion um, on both ends of the spectrum because at the foundation of it, it is loss. And so um, I, I just want you to uh, just pause for a minute to speak to the woman who might find herself in the same predicament as you, what are three things that you would like for a woman who hears your message on Navigating Life with Coach Low podcast? What would you like to leave her with? We said three. Can I make it four? You can make it as many as you want to. I just was, you know, trying to help us out. <laughs> okay, I'll keep it to four. Um, the first thing that I would like to say is, is you're not alone. You feel like you're alone, but you're not. There are women who are going through, who have gone through the same thing that you are going through go out and find a, a community there like I said I'm, I'm a part of a Facebook group um, technology is great in, in that sense where you know you can now be connected to people without having to actually um, be physically in their presence especially you know as we're living through a pain, go out and seek resources, or it doesn't even have to be that. You don't have to go and talk to a stranger. Find somebody in your circle who you trust, who you feel safe with. Even if you don't want to talk about it, just let somebody be there for you um, because you're not alone. And then also in that, in that same vein, you're not alone because God is with you. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know that in that moment, you're questioning everything that you thought you knew and believed about God. You may not understand, you know, why he allowed it to happen. I understand that. But trust me for, from somebody who's on the other side. You know, they say hindsight is always <laughs> is 2020. Like looking back, I can see that God was with me the whole time. I didn't feel like it. Um, but I, I can now see that he was with me the whole time. And so you're not alone. And please don't, don't sit in it alone. Go out and find a resource for yourself. Find someone that you can talk to, get counseling, do what you need to do. The second thing is you'll get through this. You will heal. It'll take time. You'll never get to a point where you don't remember that it happened to you. I don't feel like there will ever be a time in my life where I won't um, maybe mourn a little bit the loss of my children. There are still times where, you know, I walk into Target and I pass by the baby clothes section and, you know, I have a, a small moment and then, and, you know, I move on. So I think that those Things may always be with you from time to time, but what I found was as I began to try to take care of myself and be intentional about healing, 
every day I woke up and it got a little bit better. Um, and I'm at a place where I feel like, am I completely healed? Um, probably not, but I, I'm so much further than I was, you know, six months ago. Um, also, I, I want to reiterate that while there are some things that people can do, I think generally most women are not doing things to put their baby in danger. So please don't feel like it's, it's not your fault. Talk with your doctor, talk to with them, he or she to see maybe what happens. There are lots of things can be done. They can do testing. They can do testing for you. They can do testing of your genetics and your partner's genetics, all of those things that you can do so that if you do want to try again, there are preventative things you can do to try and hopefully have you know, six, better success on the next time that you try. But please don't carry the weight that it's your fault and you did something because in, in most cases, unless you're, I hate to this out there, but you know, unless you're being completely negligent and using drugs or you know, drinking alcohol or doing things that you know are intentionally harmful, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not your fault. And my fourth thing that I want to say, um, and it kind of goes back to the lack of understanding for, I feel for miscarriages is to women who've experienced it. It doesn't matter if you were two weeks pregnant, four weeks pregnant, or in your last trimester, your baby mattered. No matter how old you were in your pregnancy, your baby was real. Your baby mattered. Um, and I would recommend that you do something to honor your child. For us, we did a memorial for our first one. We decided to give all three of our angels names. Um, and I'm ordering a commemorative plaque. I have a snow globe. I did things, you know, that I can have a personal attachment, a physical attachment and a reminder of them. And that may be different for, but your baby was real, it mattered, and do something that gives you some closure um, and to help you to remember that your baby was here. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you added that fourth one, and I think that it, it is such wisdom to share with other women. Um, I one, one other thing that I would like for you to to help with is you you talked about counseling and you talked about the Facebook group. Are there other resources that you found helpful for you? Because I believe that at the end of the day, when we go through these kinds of challenges in life, right, is that how do you get back to a place of joy how do you get through the process of healing so what were some of the i don't know unique things that you may have done particular groups that you are connected to if you don't sharing those resources and even if you don't have those names you can give them to me and i'll put them in the description so that people will have access to the how to Yes, I will definitely um, give you the some resources to add to the list. Um, for me, there were a few things that I did. Um, one, it was really my relationship with Christ and with God has always been really important to me. Um, so when I started recognizing that there was, I felt 
some separation, I started being really about um, getting into back into my Bible. I, like I said before, I, I found it hard to pray for a while. I found it hard to study my Bible, but I had to be intentional and just go in. I have a, a prayer closet. I would go in my prayer closet. And even when I felt angry, I would say that. I said whatever I felt to God. So I was, in, even if I didn't feel, you know, like he was responding, um, I, I started being really intentional about doing that. I also started listening to my worship music again and my praise music again, because what I found myself doing was sitting in silence and in my thoughts. And that is dangerous, at least for me, because, you know, the mind can be your biggest enemy. The, the, the it's the Joyce Myers book, Battlefield of the Mind. The, the enemy will use your mind. Um, and I started realizing, hey, no, you can't take my mind. So I started trying to combat those thoughts with, okay, I'm going to turn on some worship music and some praise music, even if I don't feel like singing a word. <laughs> or even if I don't have to do something to combat those thoughts. Um, and you, I don't know if it's unique. I found that as I... I've gotten into some of these groups that it common is. Um, I got a puppy, and you've seen my <laughs> my social media post of, of my baby, my fur baby. She is spoiled, but um, I got a puppy, and it gave me something to nurture. Um, and she's so sweet. So, you know, it, it helped me to feel like this unconditional love. And I kind of say she's my therapy animal sometimes, <laughs> but it gave me something to nurture and it gave me something to focus on just being in my my own thoughts about things so I think you have to find um your own unique ways and I, I will say one thing that is challenging about this particular time being in COVID-19 um or in the pandemic is you know I was stuck at home <laughs> you know I was trying to do the right thing and stay at home so you know it I had to be intentional about doing things like going outside and just taking a walk or getting out of the space and getting fresh air and, you know, this in the, when the sun is out, going out and getting sunshine, those things invigorate me. So you have to look at yourself and know the things that give you joy. Um, and the last thing I'll say is I made a list of the things that give me joy and make me happy. One of those things, like I said, is being outside, sun. I like fresh flowers. Um, I tried to be intentional about doing one thing on that list every day. And some, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be something as big as going to get flowers, but going outside and breathing in fresh air, or um, I like to work out. So getting a workout and I made sure that I did something, one thing a day for me for self-care to help me not stay focused on and um, you know the negative things. I tried to focus on on the good and find the positive things um, and have gratitude for that. Awesome, awesome, awesome! Uh, wow, it's um, it's it's just interesting. Um, I, I just keep there. There's so much that I'm kind of thinking about because I know quite a few women who have experienced, have had this experience. And it's, it's just always unique when I talk to different people, just the different things that they have gone through. But you gave such really good um, 
things to do to self-care, tips for self-care. That was, that was just really, really great. And I like the fact that you said you committed to doing at least one of those things on a daily. And I think that sometime we feel like we need to do it all right now because in order to get results, we got to do it all right now today and you don't, you know? And so taking that time, um, the Bible says to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so I like the fact that you you worshiped your way through it, even as you were going, releasing the life of your child, your husband played worship music. You guys sang together the praises of God, you know, ushering in the Holy Spirit. Um when you start talking about spiritual things, there's always a war, right? We are always in right. spiritual warfare. And so just to be able to praise your way through as you are going through this process is powerful because in the end, God has won in your life. You have overcome. You didn't want to share. You got over your what ifs and yo, I don't want tools. And you got over all that. And you said, yes. And here you are. You know, it started with a Facebook post, but only God knew what would be next. So I saw the Facebook post and I'm like, hey, Jay, what about this? <laughs> and so here is yet another opportunity for you to get a little bit more comfortable in the new skin that God has placed you in, this place of purpose, this place of, um, of destiny that God has for you. You are, you are a healer. You know, when I'm thinking about some of the things that you talked about in this segment of, of navigating life, I'm just like, wow, some of this information is transferable to other circumstances. So it is not just this one thing, you know? And so I, I'm just, I just want to say thank you so much for being transparent. Thank you for saying yes to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing him to use what may have seemed a mess to you in a season into a message of healing for others. You know, God is faithful in that. So the tears that you cry, he's collected them and he will not waste them. He will cause them to prosper. He will. Our pain will not be wasted ever. And so I just want to say thank you so much for your yes. That's what it takes. It takes a yes. It takes us getting past our mind monsters. Oh, well, what if, and what are they going to say? And how will people look at me? And blah, blah, blah. People will always have an opinion. But God bless the one who has been there and need what you have to share. So if it's that one, that's one of the things that you shared with me before. If it's one, it's worth it. If it's one. So I, um, I just want to say, I want to applaud both you and your husband on the decisions that you've made and the way that you have loved each other through this process. So again, I say thank you, Jackie, for sharing with us. 
um, Jackie's message will be called Jackie's Angels, the, the pain of delivering a dead dream. That is going to be the name of this episode. And, you know, that may sound morbid to some people, but so many people don't recognize that that is actually what is happening on the inside of many women in the day-to-day. Jackie mentioned that there's one in four women who have experienced this. That's a lot. That's a lot. If it's four of us in a room, at least one of us has experienced miscarriage. That's huge. So I, I just, um, I don't know. I have so much more to say, friends, and I'm sure that Jackie could add to it, but we have got to go. So we love you. Jackie, is there anything else that you would uh, like to share? One final thought, anything that has come up since I've been rambling, um, but anything that you would just like to share, final thoughts around this episode? Yeah, well, I again, I appreciate you a lot. Me to share my that is my vantage point, and people go through their experiences differently. So I hope that there is something that I've said um, that, as you said, my intention has never been to um, share because I'm seeking empathy or compassion, which I appreciate those things. But I really did to share because I wanted to. If there's one person that hears this, or if there was one person that read my my Facebook post or my social media post and it helped them, um, and I'm satisfied with that. But I would like to say for other women who have gone through this, reach back to help somebody else um, in any way that you can. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're going and sharing your story with everybody. Um, I'll give one quick example, because I know we have to go, is one thing that I've done or I've started doing um, is that one of the groups that I'm in, online groups that I'm in, I don't necessarily, I don't know those women do go in and pray for them, call them out by name before God. When I see that they're struggling and whatever they're struggling with and they're reaching out for help or they're reaching out to express their grief, I just pray for them and I call their name out to God. They don't know me. They don't know that I'm doing that, but I believe in the power of prayer and we all have the ability to do something. Um, so you don't have to share your story to help somebody else. Just find ways that you can use your pain to do good for other people. Wow, so powerful. That is, thank you so much for sharing that. That's just one more amazing nugget. Jackie, we love you and we appreciate you right here. Lovely, you are, you are just a lovely angel. Uh, you are an angel yourself in the living world. Thank you for being a light to us today. Um, and we appreciate you, thank you. like nobody's business. <laughs> so thank you so much again for your courage and sharing and just being here with us today. Thank you for continuing to do the work of prayer and um for others but the healing of Jackie. So thank you so much, sweetheart, and we will talk to you later. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.